Welcome to another edition of Mike's Notes. Today we are going to talk about the finish line fallacy. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit of a shorter one because the finish line fallacy is, I believe, a fallacy that I came up with on my own. Unlike some of our other podcasts about optionality or low overhead, those are all things that were explicitly defined and explained by other people. Uh, but this one is kind of one of my own inventions, so it's going to be a little different, not as much material, but I think it's equally valuable. And I first noted this fallacy when I was on the treadmill one day. And I was running, and then I noticed my neighbor, who happened to be at the gym at the same time I did, was also on the treadmill. And his speed was three-tenths of a mile per hour higher than mine. And so what did I do? I sped up, of course. And I realized that as I was speeding up, that it was really stupid for me to speed up. Uh, I didn't know how long he was running. I didn't know what his running goals were. I didn't know running, what his running pace was. I didn't know how long he was going to be running. I didn't know anything, but for some reason, I saw his number on the treadmill, and I wanted to increase mine to be the same. And that's the finish line fallacy, where we confuse um, the finish line of someone else with the finish line of our own. We don't need to be worried about what other people are doing. We need to choose our own finish line. And even though we have our own finish lines, we can still take examples from other people. This week, our three characters will be Warren Buffett, business magnate, Taras Visconta, author of the blog Abnormal Returns, and Josh Williams, co-founder of Last Guide and formerly at Facebook and Goala. And each of these three characters will give us a demonstration about what the finish line fallacy is and how we can avoid it. First, Warren Buffett. The Warren Buffett story centers around just a small part of his life, and that is his million-dollar bet with hedge fund protege partners. If you aren't familiar, uh, years ago, Buffett announced that he thought an index fund could beat the returns of a hedge fund, and hedge fund protege partners stepped up and decided to take him up. So Buffett invested 300 some thousand dollars in the Vanguard 500 index fund admiral shares and protege partners picked five different hedge funds to track and while protege partners didn't announce what they were tracking it's assumed that one of their own funds was in the hedge fund. Uh, eight years have passed and Buffett is ahead of the hedge fund. He's returned 65 percent while the hedge fund, hedge fund has only returned about 22%. And this is a fun story to tell, and every year it gets written up in the financial press, and it reinforces the idea a lot of people have that hedge funds uh, minus fees don't return as much as what a standard index fund does, because the fees are so high, and it's really hard to pick stocks. And while this is a fun story, and it does prove that point, we can also apply our finish line fallacy to it. It's nice to know that Buffett is ahead and that their bet is for 10 years, but who cares? It really doesn't matter to you and me. Whatever our own investing goals are, they're certainly not the same as Warren Buffett and Protégé Partners Hedge Fund. If you only had 10 years left to invest and your finish line was the same deadline as the bet, it still wouldn't matter. It's very unlikely you would have all of your shares in a Vanguard 500 index fund 
or with a hedge fund. So while this is a really fun news story, we need to be careful not to get caught up in the details and think that the finish line for this bet is the finish line for our own financial bets. Our second character is Taras Viscanta, author of the quote, forecast-free blog, Abnormal Returns, end quote. Uh, Tadas, when he spoke with Jason Osborne, uh, talked about why he doesn't offer any forecasts at his blog. And he says this, quote, if you get someone into the market, you need to get them out, end quote. I thought this was really valuable because he articulates something that you don't ever hear um, in, the, in the main reporting on financial news. It's that when someone says it's a good time to buy or sell a stock, it's compared to what? Who knows if it's a good time to buy Apple shares or sell Apple shares or do anything else the pungentry tells you to do. It doesn't matter because whether it's a good time to buy or to sell is based on where your finish line is and the people on television don't know what it is. So we need to be careful when we hear forecasts like it's a good time to do this or it's not a good time to do this or things like that. Going back to the running analogy, I didn't know if it was a good time to go faster on the treadmill. Um, it certainly wasn't based on what the person next to me was doing, but it was based on what my own goals were, what my own race was, what my own finish line was. Our third example is Josh Williams. I found Williams when I was doing research for my Survivor Bias Project, which you can follow along with at medium.com. And Williams wrote about his experience creating the app Gowalla. And William's goal was to create an app that, quote, mixing art, game-like incentives, and real-world locations to inspire people to go explore and share their favorite places and experiences, end quote. So he created an app uh, to do these things. And this was around 2009, the same time Foursquare came out. And so Foursquare and Gowalla were basically in the same area, but not exactly. And it was that not exactly part that got Williams and Gowalla into trouble. Foursquare started touting how many check-ins they had each day. And that was the figure, that was the metric that the news media picked up on. And once Foursquare decided to make check-ins the metric, that is, once check-ins were effectively the finish line, or how far you were from the starting line, that's where the focus began. Williams wrote, quote, They began to publicize the number of people who were checked in every day and consequently define the metric that would be used to measure success in our space. In doing this, they created the game. Since we were the other major app at the time with a BFB-labeled check-in, the pressure was on to return in kind, end quote. So the problem Williams has is that he's started something and then a competitor has come along and that competitor decides how things are going to be measured. Williams goes on, quote, the check-in wars had begun and everybody knew it. The tech world wanted some drama. We were happy to oblige, end quote. So Williams is uh, getting deeper and deeper into the game that Foursquare wants to play. And he admits this and reflects at the end of his post-mortem that startups should, quote, Play by your own rules, end quote. They, they should do things based on what their goals are. One of the problems I solve in the other research on survivor bias in startups is that watching what your competitors are doing 
is often terrible advice. What it does is it distracts startups from what their main focus should be. It's like trying to drive by only using your rear view mirrors. It doesn't matter what the people next to you or behind you are doing. Your main concern needs to be what's in front of you and where you're going. And it's hard to sometimes define our own finish line. Williams and his company suffered because they weren't able to define their own finish line. We get in the news and forecasts for financial things that it's a good time to do this or not to do this. And that's sometimes helpful because it's hard to come up with our own finish line. It's hard to figure things out on your own. Take the retirement age. It's hard for someone like me to figure out when I'm going to retire. Typically, people retired when they wanted to travel more or to get away from a job that was physically exhausting. I get to do both of those things to most of the extent I want nowadays. It's not like I have to leave something in doing writing or podcasting or some of the other things I do to earn a living. And so how does one figure out when to retire, when the rules change, when I have to choose my own starting line for my own race? I'm not a regularly religious man, but I still find advice in the Bible sometimes. This quote from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, seemed fitting for figuring out how to set our own starting and finish line and how not to fall for the finish line fallacy. Quote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. End quote. And that seems about right, that we should run the race that God has set before us. Or, if you don't believe in God, whatever your own race is, it doesn't matter what Warren Buffett is doing. It doesn't matter what the market forecasts are saying. It doesn't matter what your startup or business or other competitors are doing. It's all about the race that you're going to run and decide when to start and when to finish. Don't fall for the finish line fallacy. This has been another edition of Mike's Notes. Mm-hmm.